So what happens if you can get into the canter okay? The transition into canter is fine, but actually maintaining the canter is the struggle. Oh, that is a big question that a lot of riders have. And today I want to answer that question. It comes from a specific listener. And I hope that if you're also struggling with maintaining the canter, this will be helpful for you as well. Okay, let's dive in. Hey there, and welcome to the Daily Strides podcast. My name is Lorna Leeson. I'm an equestrian trainer and coach, and I work with riders all over the world, both in person and online, to help them to have better conversations with their horse and kind of iron out any of the riding or training kinks that are coming up along the way as well. Okay, so I put out the call for listener questions and... Boy, oh boy, did we receive a lot of them, okay? And one of the ones that came back from actually quite a few riders, but I'm going to answer this specific rider's question today, is about how she's able to get her horse into the canter, okay? So the the transition into the canter is great. And as she describes it, it's a really, really nice balanced transition. Um, She is riding it well. The horse is very responsive. It all looks good. And this is, of course, going from trot to canter. It's great. Um, the rider is able to then ride the canter, so it's not collapsing within the canter itself, but they just can't maintain the canter. The horse does not want to stay in the canter. Now, this rider also has let me know that the horse can just canter all day with his buddies and his chummies in the field, okay? So that is not the issue. Cantering in and of itself is not the issue for this horse, okay? so. What I want to do today is to come up with, obviously without having seen the horse and without having seen the rider and without having seen them together and what they're doing, just a couple of different scenarios or, you know, quirks, things that could be showing up um, for horse or rider, horse and rider, okay, um, that may be preventing them from maintaining a canter, a heavenly canter, as it was uh, described here, uh, maintaining it going forward. So my first big question here would be, yes, the rider may be able to maintain their position. So they're not collapsing through their body in the canter. But sometimes, in my experience, the reason the rider can maintain their position and not collapse in the canter is because they're holding on a little bit too tightly to the reins, okay? Now, with the canter, we all understand that there is a roll that happens, okay? There's like this reset, okay? So it's it's very much uh, like the walk, it's down and forward and then up and back, okay? So your seat has to roll with this down and forward and then the up and back, okay? And it's like this kind of a circular and I suppose depending on the type of canter you're doing, it can kind of vary from being a very oval, flattish shape to like a, a lovely round, bouncy ball shape, okay? But it's like this movement, this pattern that your seat will follow in the canter, okay? And it's following the horse. It's moving with the horse in this. Now, what's really important to remember is that your seat is directly connected to your hands, okay? Your hands and your seat, if you can imagine the two of them, if there was like wires or something connecting them, okay? So what your seat is doing, you really and truly want your hands to kind of be following maybe a slightly similar, although much more refined and subtle action, okay? But that's important. Now, where many riders get tripped up here, and especially in the canter, is they follow the action with their shoulders, not with their hands. Now, what is important to remember is that 
your shoulders should not be doing any 1980s funky dance moves when you are cantering, okay? You want to try and keep your shoulders nice and... I suppose secure, okay, but now uh, I've, I've visions of people like riding like there's like, you know, a poker or something on their back, okay? That's not what I'm talking about here. But your shoulders should be very consistent. And through your shoulders being consistent, you're now able to allow your seat and your hands to follow the horse, okay? And of course, if you're thinking, but sure, how can my shoulders be quote-unquote consistent and my hands moving well there's this bit in the middle called the elbows okay and it's not that I want you flapping around like a chicken because that's definitely also not what we want to happen okay but I do want that you're allowing this softness through the elbows through the wrists okay through the fingers through the hands there's this softness this following that is happening. So that would be my first kind of thing. How you would see that if you're a little bit like, I don't know if that's happening or not. Very often the horse will become quite hollow. So the horse will actually lift it, like drop its back, lift its head and neck, and more specifically the head, and um, kind of lift its head up higher than if you want everything else. Okay. But it's doing so to almost try and um, shorten the distance between its mouth and your hand so as you can stop pulling its mouth okay so um, you'll often see that the horse will do that so if you have a look for that or what can happen is the horse will decide listen you're going to pull me I'm going to pull back and it'll drop its head and neck so more of a very kind of a low trajectory there go like go low with it um, and I'm not talking about long and low not at all at all there's still a lot of hollowness coming out because what you'll see is the horse will actually stick out through its jaw okay so it's it's um it's it's almost like the the jaw will be like the the furthest point of the horse out in front okay so it's not not a not an attractive kind of a I suppose a picture either way so it is something that you can look at with that so that would be my first thing okay are you hanging on to the reins to maintain the position that happens a lot my second thing would be are you blocking with your seat now People block with their seats for a lot of different reasons. Very often it's a lack of suppleness through the rider. The rider just cannot. Remember I said that roll? They can't do it. They're just not supple enough through their lower back for whatever reason. And they're literally blocking. Like they're blocking the flow of energy and the horse is picking up on that. And very often this happens with horses who are quite responsive to the seat in other ways and especially through downward transitions and the horse really just thinks that the rider is like literally asking for them to stop now some horses will look for that they're like oh I think she means I must stop now let me just do that quickly okay um but you do have other horses who again they they don't understand fully what's going on so they will stop and I feel that very often this comes with, again, like maybe a little bit of a lack of independence from the rider, but also a lack of being able to use their aids to ask for forward. Now, we're going to chat about that just now, but um, it can very often this blocking, like it's, it's, um, it's, as I said, often a lack of suppleness, but sometimes it can also be a hunkering in the rider, like the rider, like hunkers down now this rider has said they don't collapse so I'm going to assume it's not that but it could be the lack of suppleness and um, that there's almost like too much tension a little bit too much stiffness in the rider's body okay which again would stop the forward movement so I would definitely suggest um for and again video yourself have a look at yourself it could very well be that as well that's that's causing the horse to not go forward 
Which leads me to the next kind of consideration here, a lack of forwardness. Sometimes the horse is just literally not enough energy there. Now, we can talk forwardness, we can talk impulsion. I do think impulsion's a little bit further down the line. Um, I think that with regards to impulsion, there can definitely be this, um, it's a little bit more, I don't know, there's a little bit more training and development have after happening already within the conversation. So I'm going to think that the lack of forwardness, and remember the forwardness is the absolute most basic element of horse riding, like nothing else can happen if you don't have forward, okay? And forward has to be both a mental, like I'm thinking forward, and a physical, we're moving forward. And it's not rushing, it's not racing, it's not flying around holding on by the seat of your pants. No, it's not any of that at all. But it is this kind of this mental and physical, like there is energy in there that we can now work with, okay? And sometimes the amount of energy a horse has in the trot is enough for the trot, can maintain the trot. But then when you ask for the canter, mm-mm, dissipates too quickly, no energy there, okay? So I do think to look for that. And again, I'm just going to bring this back to the rider. Very often when riders are not fully independent in through their seat, what can happen is they lack the ability to keep asking for the forwardness. Now, this is where I would suggest a lot of groundwork and particularly lunging that you can begin to develop maybe other aids such as your voice aid, okay, to help with this. Um, and you can like work on this that your horse, you can use your voice like or whatever, okay, in the canter to ask your horse to continue to move on if you are not at the point in your riding where you can actually... I suppose effectively use your leg aids and your seat to keep asking the horse to create more energy to put in there, okay? So, and just like us, like some horses are just naturally more forward than others. Some of them are naturally more enthusiastic. Um, uh, Some aren't. Some are like, ah, you know... There's the whole day and sure, do we really need to canter? No, not at all. We're doing great in the trot, okay? So it is important to also obviously consider that as well. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say that you're looking here at just getting your overall aids a little bit more, if you want, effective, like working for you a little bit better. And again, without having seen any of this, but kind of going on what the writer says, the position and the posture seems to be okay. So now it's just a matter of the aids, okay? And remember, responsiveness, I really do feel, is actually the responsibility of the rider. And if you have a horse who is not responsive, well, you've probably thought him to not be so responsive. So keep that in mind as well. And then my final kind of real question here would be the saddle fit, okay? Now, I am obviously prefacing all this by saying that we're hoping that the horse has no physical issues and we're hoping that that's all been checked and everything that goes without saying that would always be the first port of call but sometimes the saddle fit will only if it's not right will only show up when there's a little bit more momentum and a little bit more energy in there okay such as the canter and what can sometimes happen is maybe the gullet of the saddle um might be a little bit too I suppose, narrow, tight, okay? And what's actually ending up happening here is that the horse is just not being allowed the freedom through the shoulder to actually really continue with the canter. 
And the energy that's being created from behind is not able to connect through to the front end to continue with the canter. Um, so I do think maybe having the saddle assessed as well may be a good one for this. Now, long term going forward, I would say a lot of transitions, um, particularly downward transitions, just to get things a little bit more lighter in front for the horse, okay, with the rider on board. And remember, what the horse can do in the field, um, yes, it's a good kind of a, it's an indicator as to what could happen under the saddle. But the horse has to learn to balance the rider and to actually work with the rider being in the saddle as well. So I don't think it's a fair kind of assessment to say, oh, he's able to canter in the field. But he, he'll be able to canter with me on his back. No, he'll have to learn to do that. So by you developing this kind of engagement through the core, by you developing maybe a little bit of lightness in front, by you developing a little bit more strength behind, that is going to help him to be able to maintain the canter long term with the rider on board as well. So anyway, all this to say that without seeing exactly what's going on here, I do hope that this was helpful. As always, um, I am going to contact the, the rider who sent this in directly myself um, and more than welcome to shoot me a video and I can have a look at the video and if you have any issues with your riding or your horse's training you're more than welcome to send me an email lorna at stridesforsuccess.com and um, you can send me an email there and I will answer or you can just post in the group and I will get to it on the podcast over the coming weeks for you as well okay I'm going to leave it at that and um, if you if this is a challenge that you're having I'm going to strongly suggest you pop over and check out the Improve Your Canter program. Hint, hint, there might be something happening on Cyber Monday about that, okay? Um, but also the Returning to Riding program, which is like getting all of your aids onto autopilot, getting you onto autopilot, so you can then begin to have a more positive effect on your horse's way of going. Um, and there is currently a Black Friday sale on that today so if that is something that interests you i'm going to suggest you pop over to returning to riding.com okay i'm gonna leave it there have a super one keep well and i'll chat to you soon be good bye